Hello, everybody out there. This is Reverend Blake Ruby. Welcome to my show, Church of the Souls Evolution. All you extraterrestrials out there also listening, wherever you are around the universe. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. It's possible, right? I hear they have really cool technology. They can tune into any kind of technology from where they are, whether they're in orbit around the Earth or behind the moon or somewhere in the solar system, you know, or maybe on Ganymede. You know, there are human beings who live on Ganymede, one of Jupiter's moons. Did you know that? Yes. Read the book, I Visited Ganymede. I just got a copy recently. It was in Spanish. It's in Spanish. I couldn't find an English copy. I used to have one, even though it wasn't translated perfectly. It talks about a civilization of human beings who are very advanced technologically and spiritually, who once upon a time lived on a planet which was between Jupiter and Mars, which is now the asteroid belt. Well, hello. Guess what? All those pieces used to belong to a planet at one time. Apparently, they were very advanced, as I mentioned, and were experimenting with antimatter. And those experiments got a little bit overzealous, and they blew up their own planets. Yeah. Is that the truth? I think so. And so they moved their civilization to... Ganymede, which does have a little bit of an atmosphere, if you do your research, they do have a little bit of an atmosphere there, and they built their cities kind of half above the surface and half below the surface, and they use the seismic activity that goes on in that moon to power their cities. They have learned to harness that energy from the earthquakes, that happened all the time, apparently, and thereby provide all the heat and light and whatever else they need, electricity, to run their cities. Apparently, also, they're able to control that seismic activity in a way that doesn't bother them, you know. So, in other words, if there's an earthquake, they don't feel it because they're outside of that, if you will. Pretty cool, huh? Did you know that? Well, read that book. Very convincing. Also in that book, it talks about how the sun is really the home of the mother and father god who control the solar system. Because, guess what? When you die, you won't have your body anymore. You'll be a spirit. And the spirit is made up of light energy. We are spirits in the material world. And that was that song by the police back in the 70s. Even then, they were talking about we are spirits in the material world. And the words of the song go, there is no political solution to our troubled evolution. Have no faith in constitution. There is no bloody revolution, which kind of prompted the Constitution over 200 years ago. Did they really have a vision of the future that could look in for 200 years, 200 plus years into the future and determine the way ahead for everybody? Sort of. I think 
They were men inspired by the creator of the universe, also in the mother and father God in heaven. Now, we are all co-creator gods in the making, you know. We were born into this, born into this world, and we're going to one day die. We all die. Some people come back from death. They have a near-death experience, and they share what they experience. I've read a lot of near-death experiences, and recently I've been watching some on YouTube. You should check out some of them. They're very interesting. If you want to develop yourself more spiritually and evolve more, learn from those people that have had near-death experiences. And what they say is that God is real, you know. No doubt about that. Heaven is real. And where is it? I was talking about that earlier. You know, if we all understood where heaven is, it might be easier to believe in it. Anyway, changing the subject. I wanted to tell you some things about my own personal life going on. Today I woke up and I went to the track and did some workouts. And I say workouts, I mean, I've been doing sprinting for quite a while now. And I've come to the conclusion, and I'm a work in progress, just like anybody else is, you know. We learn new things all the time, don't we? And we change. Change is good. I think it was Einstein that said change is something that makes you more intelligent. Now, the person that changes a lot is like a superstar, you know. You read about people who are sports superstars all throughout the walks of life, you know, whether politicians or teachers, you have superstars, people who are really dedicated to making themselves better, being the best version of themselves that they can be. I'm that way too. And hopefully I will get there. You know, I want to be able to not have any fear when standing in front of people, a lot of people, and I practice it all the time. But there's a right way of doing things, and then there's a not so right way of doing things. I think most of us, generally speaking, don't lack the effort when it comes to either exercise or living our daily lives. Some people just, they just give up because it can be too hard, you know, going back to the drawing board constantly and trying a new way of doing things and changing and change can be painful. It can, especially when you think you're you're going down the road, the right road, and all of a sudden you have to start over again. Reminds me of this speech that was given at a Toastmasters district conference by a world champion of public speaking. And he said that he was always involving himself in the speech contest. And he kept improving, but couldn't quite get to the highest level. 
but he did improve and just what he thought that hey you know i've won this hands down i'm the best you know and he was convinced that he'd won some speech contest like the division or the district conference or the region contest i meant contest or perhaps uh, international contest you know where they have it around the world and then only to find out that he didn't win. They didn't choose, choose him. The judges choose who they think is the best based on their own objectivity and their own subjectivity. And I've experienced it before. Judges, not been a judge myself, have a tendency to be more subjective than objective. And so I've seen speech contests where I've picked out the winner in my own mind only to find out that the other judges pick somebody else and sometimes it makes me angry or upset, you know, that they didn't see what I saw. Because I think I'm a good judge of character and of skill and talent. But anyway, this man, this uh, happened like two or three times. He thought, okay, I've got this hands down. I'm going to win. I know I'm going to win. They get ready to stand up, you know, when they called the first place winner. And they picked someone else. So he just kept on going. He didn't give up. He kept trying and trying. Finally, one day, he won the world championship of public speaking. And I can't remember if he gave up predicting if he was going to win or not, but Maybe that's the way it goes sometimes for all of us. It's when we think we're not going to win or we haven't been good enough. That's when people see that in us. They see that that part of us that we don't see ourselves. And that's what life is about. Generally speaking, you know, uh, let me rephrase that. When people look at us, they see a part of us that we don't see, you know, that other dimension. They can see little things in our behavior, in our body language, in our facial characteristics that we don't see ourselves. So they have a different perspective. And they also take into consideration, did that person absolutely try their best? Is there any room for improvement? And maybe in their minds, if there is no room for improvement, that they have reached their highest level of achievement that maybe the person giving the speech might not be aware of, then they choose them. And again, it is subjective still in my mind. But they tell everyone to be objective, but it never works out that way. Ultimately, it'll be the subjective decision of a judge as to whether or not they'll pick someone as a winner for a speech contest. And what plays in there, above all else, in my opinion, is the likability factor. If they don't like you, you're not going to win. doesn't matter if you're like Barack Obama. He is a great orator, you know. So was Winston Churchill, John F. Kennedy. Martin Luther King Jr., President Clinton, all the presidents basically were really great at giving speeches, you know. But you take one of them, put them in a speech contest, and if someone doesn't 
you have maybe a three, four judge panel. They don't like them. They see something they don't like about them. They're not going to pick them. They could pick me if I was competing against, say, Barack Obama. You know, that's the way it goes. So what do we do? We just keep trying. That's what I've been doing. So I went to the track today and I did sprint forwards and backwards. And I like that. You know why? Because, and these are just short 50 meter sprints. The four sprints weren't too, uh, shall I say, full power. You know, they weren't, they were about maybe 90%, 80% my, of my full strength, you know. I'm a very good backward runner. And I think that I've come across something that's really good that I need to stick with because it works all the muscles in the body. First of all, I heard that sprinting is, and this is on a rubber track, by the way, dirt track, asphalt, concrete, there's too much impact there. You're going to wind up hurting yourself like I did. But on a rubber track, the impact is a lot less so your feet are going to thank you for it, you know. I think I could take anybody. I mentioned this before on another show. I think I forget when in the past. I could turn anybody around into a really good athlete, if you will. Somebody that wanted to lose a lot of weight. I could teach them. I would be a good trainer, you know, because I do this all the time. Just about every day. I might take a day off every once in a while. But as I mentioned, I can run backwards. And there are benefits for both. But I always heard that when you sprint forward, and it doesn't have to be 100 meters. 50 meters is enough. From five to eight seconds is the rule of thumb, you know. Five to eight seconds. Push your body. It feels good. You feel the wind on your face. Your hair is blowing in the wind if you have hair. And it feels good to push your body to the limit or close to the limit. And it's got benefits like, of course, number one benefit is it exercises your heart like no other exercise will, period. Sprinting is the best exercise for your heart, hands down. But also for the circulation, the breathing, you know, obviously for the circulation, because the blood is pumped faster all around your body. And it's supposed to produce the human growth hormone. So if you're looking for a fountain of youth, try sprinting. But of course, you need to check with your doctor first, you know, so you don't hurt yourself. You got to make sure you're fit enough to do that. And it supposedly exercises every muscle in your body. But I found out from my experimentation that, and I don't mind sharing this with you because I believe that there should be no secrets. You know, I'm not hiding from anybody. Nobody's hiding from me. That's the way it's supposed to be. You know, and so... I think this would work for anybody. But also, there are benefits for backwards running. They say 
actually exercise your heart more if you backward run. And there's a lot of runners out there in the world who have injured themselves while running, you know, maybe too much distance, hurt their knees or their back. And so they've taken up what they call retro running, which is backwards running. In England, they have runs, you know, 5K, 10K, where people do it all backwards. In other countries around the world, it's a very popular event. Actually, these backward running 5Ks and 10K runs. And they're even thinking of adding it to the Olympics. I don't know if they'll accept that, but we'll see. But it exercises, and this is the key point, muscles that forward running doesn't do. Basically, forward running exercises all the front parts of your body to include the thighs, you know, the glutes, I think they call them, the uh, hamstrings, the uh, all the front muscles, but and not so much the, the buttocks. But when you run backwards, you exercise the buttocks and the, the back of the leg, legs and also your lower back. You combine both of them forward and backward running, and guess what? You'll become a superstar. That's what my goal is. I want to, I know I already am, but I want to be always the best version of myself that I can be. Now, when it comes to singing, I know that I'm a superstar. And I've been singing for many years now. I'm in a choir at church. And have been over 10 years. That's one of the best things I've done in my life. I've mentioned this on a radio show in the past. I'm pretty sure I don't have the same people listening to my show every week. There might be some people that come back and listen, but there's also some new people that tune in, you know. And another thing that I did that I consider one of the best things that I've done in my life is to sing for the wounded warriors when we were still at war in Afghanistan. You know, I don't even like saying it. I wish we didn't have war, you know. I wish we we had peace in our world, you know. There's no good reason to kill anybody. No good reason at all whatsoever, you know. Except for maybe somebody that killed somebody else. The death penalty, what do you all think about that? I say... Someone commits murder, but there's no doubt that they've done it. You know, you have video evidence and you have uh, multiple witnesses testifying that individuals did the crime, then I think they should be put to death. It would deter people from doing that. Again, other people, you know, knowing that they are going to get away with it and maybe live the rest of their life. Like recently that shooter in the Parkland school shooting in 2019, I think it was, he killed like 20 people or so, and he got 90 consecutive life sentences. Okay, well, that's fine. We're going to, no, it's not really, but they're going to put him in jail for the rest of his life, you know, and we're going to, as taxpayers, we're going to pay for him. Can we really afford that, you know, when we're in debt? And 
Is he going to be rehabilitated? Is he going to repent? That's the main thing. Repent and not go to hell when he leaves this life? I don't know. It's possible. If the words come out of his mouth, the angels hear him say it. God hears him say it. He will still have to pay the price for his crime, you know. You make commit a sin or a crime, do something as genius as killing somebody or raping a woman, and you have to do the penalty. That's universal law. And there have been some civilizations before that existed here on planet Earth in the past, many thousands of years ago, that used to feed murderers to the crocodiles. And that's what I say. That's what I endorse. I think that would be a deterrent to the utmost, don't you? But in other countries around the world, you don't see a lot of active shooters, do you? Why? Because they know that they would get killed almost right away, executed. And their families, too, maybe, right? Like China, Russia, other countries. But here in the United States, we're so hypocritical at times. We're going to allow somebody that we know killed a lot of people to spend time in jail, give them a fair trial, and at the expense of taxpayers, thinking that that person is going to be rehabilitated, put back into society. I don't agree with it. Anyway, I'm entitled to my opinion, right? So, Yes, I do believe in the death penalty, but we have to know without a shadow of a doubt, without any question at all, that the individual did commit the crime. You know? And what they used to do back in, in the days of this civilization that I was talking about that existed about 15,000 years ago in the Pacific Ocean, a continent by the name of Lumuria, or otherwise known as Mu, M-U. And they had a very civilized society. They had anti-gravity technology, electromagnetic anti-gravity technology. They didn't have a monetary system. They worshipped the creator of the universe. And so they punished people who committed crimes. Of course, there were some, not many, but that was the penalty for murder, throwing people to crocodiles, for rape, it was burying them in an anthill up to their head and putting honey on their head. And some people might say that was overly cruel, but imagine the pain a mother has to suffer maybe if her 16-year-old daughter is raped and murdered by somebody. How she, that mother, has to go through that pain of the worst kind. And so... The least they can do is make the death of the individual who did that as bad as possible. And that's okay by me. As I was saying, to ensure that the individual was absolutely guilty, they would put them in a room and they would have these mind readers. Yes, they do exist. Are you a mind reader? If I could read your mind, love. And so kind of hiding behind the two-way mirror, you know, they would be observing these people, and they would occasionally 
make noises to see how they react inside the room. And so they would observe them for maybe a week or two and then give their findings to the judge. The judge said guilty. That's when they would be fed to the crocodiles or buried in an anthill to their head and had their head covered with honey, and that would be a slow, painful death. But again, nothing compared to what the mother of a 16-year-old daughter who endured rape and was murdered had to endure afterwards when she found out her beautiful, lovely 16-year-old daughter, who she loved very much and her father, too, was raped and murdered by some rogue in society, some scoundrel who was not upholding the laws and conforming with normal society, right? Makes sense to me. For those of you that don't believe in the death penalty, we'll tell that to the parents that lost children in all these mass shootings or anybody that was killed by a mass shooter. We'll tell them that you don't believe in the death penalty. Try to convince them. Maybe some don't believe in the death penalty. Maybe they believe in forgiveness. Ah, forgiveness. It's meant to be. There's a lot of things we can't forgive people forgiveness for. But that, I think, is not one of them. You know, they might say they have mental health issues. Well, maybe. But if they're smart enough to go and purchase a gun and plan and crime like that, I question whether they are insane, you know? That's just me. My opinion, we're all entitled to our opinions. Uh, if I convinced anybody out there of my perspective, well, that's good. hope my logic was good enough. It seems to be good enough for me, you know, especially taking into consideration other societies that have lived on this planet before in the past. And also taking into consideration that there are very, very few mass shootings in China or Russia. And I say there that they're doing something right. And New Zealand, other countries around the world, they banned the AR-15, which is a weapon of choice of all mass shooters. Have we banned the AR-15 here in the United States yet? No. Why? Because the NRA has got some politicians under their thumb. That's the reason. The only reason. That hasn't been banned so far. It's a logical thing, logical. The weapon of choice of mass shooters is the AR-15 and other assault weapons. Now, you can talk about everything else, red flag laws, background checks. The bottom line is you ban the AR-15, I guarantee you, without a doubt, that mass shootings would drop. You ban assault weapons and mass shootings would decrease. That's what happened in New Zealand and I think maybe some other countries like in Europe who really don't have mass shootings themselves. Why do we have mass shootings? Again, because we are so lenient with each other. It's hypocritical. How can we, how can we be going to war and killing people like in Afghanistan? Drones that would kill warlords 10, 20 people, one time, one hit. That went on for a few years, all these drones with their high-technology missiles wiping out 
lots of innocent people in Afghanistan and Iraq. Yet now we're harping on Russia because they got their own war going with Ukraine. We so soon forget that we were doing the same thing a little while ago. You have to be logical, you know. Some people aren't logical. They don't listen to reason. And I just explain myself. So it's time for people to change themselves, change their minds. You know, Mr. Trump, I can tell you right now, and I'm entitled to vote for whoever I want to. I'm not going to be intimidated or coerced by anybody. I'm going to vote for him again, like I did in 2020. Why? Because he said he could stop the Ukraine war in one day. Hello? And he could stop inflation, therefore. Inflation's still going on. I'm getting tired of paying all these high prices. You know what I paid the other day? Take our dogs to the vet. Our little duckling who had a cough. I just took them to the vet because they had a cough. So they did all these tests and, oh, this is wrong, that's wrong. All together came to $800. I don't really have that kind of money to waste, you know. It turns out that a little $24 bottle of cough medicine that we got from Amazon is working better than some of the other stuff. My wife said, I don't want to give him the heart medicine. They found out he had a heart murmur and a large heart. And so prescribed this heart medicine. No thanks. We're not going to do that because we don't trust them for one thing and, and it might make them worse. You know, it might kill them. So all that money wasted because of inflation, gas prices still going. They go up, they go down. They go up, they go down. Up and down, up and down, down and up, up and down. Always around $3. In some places like California on the West Coast, up around $5 a gallon here in Texas, you know, hovering around $3. Thank God for Texas, you know. You don't mess with Texas, my friend. But Mr. Trump, I know that he'll stop the war in Ukraine. He'll stop inflation. He'll lower the gas prices. And he will make America great again. I don't see anybody else among the Republicans that I would vote for that I like. I like the, um, I think he's Pakistani. He's got a, like a Pakistani name. He's a millionaire or billionaire. He is super intelligent. I like him. Nikki Haley, she's all right, too. I like them all, really. Chris Christie, I think he's just in it to take Mr. Trump down, you know, because he got offended. He got hurt by Mr. Trump. He hurt him. So he's retaliating, and I understand that. That's okay. Is he realistically thinking he's going to make it become president? No. He's just a spoiler. But that's okay. That's what he wants to do, and people support him. He raises enough money. Good for him. No offense to Mr. Biden. I don't want to say anything negative about him, you know. I'm concerned for him because... I would like him, after a lifetime of helping the public, being a public servant as a politician, doing great things. You know, he was vice president eight years. He was a senator for I don't know how many years. He suffered a great loss with his family, his wife and daughter and one of his sons. I think 
I would like him to just relax and enjoy his, the rest of his life. You know, he's 80 years old. I give him a lot of credit. He's very brave and strong for doing that. But when you reach that age, time to relax, not have the most difficult job in the world, president of the United States, you know? Now, I hope, I pray for him that he goes on and his health is good for many more years. I do that for everybody. I don't wish anybody any harm. But I think, in my opinion, that the Democrats would be better to find someone else. But they know that if they want to win the next election, they'll need President Biden, just like they needed him before, because he was the only person that could take Mr. Trump down. Not that he wanted to. At first, he didn't want to. You know, he was talked into it. Again, I don't wish him any harm. But when you get to 80 years old, you want the most difficult job in the world, president of the United States. And we want somebody as president that's in good shape, strong, very intelligent, you know, talks well. Do we not? Mr. Trump, I don't know if he does any exercise, but he appears to be very strong, speaks very well, you know. Yes, he does badmouth people, but that's the businessman in him, you know. He is like tit for tat. You say something against him, he's going to strike back. And I understand it. That is a businessman frame of mind. You don't take any guff off of anybody. So, yes, he calls people crazy, calls them morons, nut jobs, crackheads like that guy who just, um, what's his name, who did the... Most recent indictment, you know, the how many charges, 21 charges with the classified documents. I'll forget his name. But anyway, it's actually kind of funny, I think. But maybe that's our destiny, my friends. They say we're living in the end times, you know. They say there's going to be an antichrist. My wife thinks that Mr. Trump is the antichrist. I don't think so, but I'll tell you another thing, too. I've had dreams where I've been in a dream with Mr. Trump, almost like he's a friend. Isn't that amazing? This most recent dream, I remember sitting down next to him, and, and he didn't agree with something, but we didn't argue. We just, there was some issue that he uh, had a different frame of mind about, um, but it was all good, you know? So I've had dreams of Mr. Trump. I take that seriously, you know? I think there's a connection there. I think he's an advanced soul, and he means well. When you're in politics, I think everyone has to lie occasionally. Or maybe just distort the truth a little bit. He's not the kind of guy, from what I've seen, he's constantly talking in front of groups of people, you know, hundreds and thousands of people, where you could really get away with saying a lie, you know? It's like when O.J. Simpson was on trial. I don't think he committed the murder of his wife, Jessica Simpson, in my own opinion. I met him, I've said this on other radio shows in the past, I think, 
at least once. I met him, and he was a very nice, polite gentleman, you know. And what I think did happen was Jessica was involved with drugs. She was taking drugs, buying crack cocaine or who knows what other, other kinds of drugs she was buying, buying them from the cartel. Of course, living that lifestyle, she had a lot of money, you know, and so maybe they came to collect one time and she wasn't going to give them their money. And so they went off on her and she went off on them. Next thing you know, she's been murdered and Ron Goldman too murdered. And so then they told, they told OJ Simpson, they told OJ Simpson, look, you tell them that we did it, that the cartel was responsible for their death. Then we're going to get the rest of your family. We're going to kill you and the rest of your family. And so he couldn't be truthful about it, I think. He didn't do it himself, I'm pretty sure. But that's my opinion. Anybody that believes otherwise, you know, or with other situations, all I ask is just, and I never had a chance to sit down with O.J. Simpson, but. If you do have a chance to sit down with somebody and talk with them and ask questions for 15 to 30 minutes, you know, you just might change your mind about them. You might say at the end, well, actually, you know, you might not be guilty. And that can apply to anybody. How often do we judge people without really knowing about them, without even having talked with these people or had a chance to ask them some of the questions on our mind that are on our mind? So, yes, I'm going to vote for Mr. Trump, I think. The way I feel right now, going back to that, I remember the gas prices were a lot lower when he was president. I remember that the economy was doing well until COVID hit. And, you know, he had put some rules in effect with China. I was thinking today, you know, China, they might have started that virus because they did it in retaliation for all the money they were going to lose because Mr. Trump imposed these tariffs or whatever he did, you know, the trade agreement, so that America would be number one and China, therefore, would no longer be number one. So what they do, they release the virus, killing some of their own people because they have no scruples, you know, and just spreading it around the world, even though I think it was a little bit overhyped you know, because I caught COVID one time in June of last year and it didn't seem, in my opinion, to be much different than any virus I had before in the past. You know, I've been sick at least a dozen times in my life with a similar kind of virus, you know, with the similar symptoms, coughing, sneezing, runny nose, you know, mucus developing in your throat and sore throat. It was the same. It wasn't any different, you know? So I think there was a lot of misinformation spread. And that's too bad. It seems like you get a president on board, he's got great things planned for the country, they get going, they've got a great agenda, and then automatically the other side, the opposition, is on their back, at their throat, wanting to bring them down, 
whether it's Democrats or Republicans, that's the way it goes. Mr. Trump was supposed to clean the swamp. He was about to do that. He was impeached twice by a Democratic House of Representatives that only just became Democratic after two years. And of course, they took advantage of their power and retaliated against Mr. Trump. Did he do something that was worthy of impeachment? I don't think so. That phone call he had with Mr. Zelensky? Nope, not in my mind. You couldn't convince me. No way, no how that that wasn't a perfectly legitimate phone call. Of course, you're never going to convince some people who are lifelong either Democrats or Republicans. They're never going to change their minds. There are some people that are kind of in between and might possibly change their minds. But some people are lifelong Democrats or Republicans. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, they're never going to choose the other side. No matter how much sense you make, no matter how much logic you present or rationale you offer, they're not going to change their mind. You could have T.V. Herman run for president or maybe, say, Sandra Bullock or one of the uh, Kardashians or Paris Hilton. And if she's the leading person, the, the ones nominated by the party, people are going to vote for her. So I think, uh, who was that that said it? Arnold Schwarzenegger said it one time. He had an interview recently talking about running for president. Of course, he wasn't born in the U.S., so he couldn't become president. He said, uh, it's not so much that people want to vote for somebody. They just don't want to vote against it. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what he said. You know what I mean? So... It's not so much, let's say you have Mr. Biden and Mr. Trump in 2024. It's not that people really want to vote for Mr. Biden if you're a Democrat. They just don't want to vote for Mr. Trump. So whether it's Joe Biden or Kiwi Herman or some pitcher in the Major League Baseball or Tom Brady, whomever, they're going to vote for him because they don't want to vote for the other person. That was my point. How am I doing on time? It's almost time, my friend. I didn't talk about a lot about spirits or the extraterrestrials that are out there. And you know they are. All this life here on Earth happened by accident, logically. It could happen by accident all the way on the other side of the universe, you know, billions of light years away. Because we're a relatively new galaxy compared to some of the older ones, you know. But if there is a creator, and we know there is, the supreme creator of the universe, creator of the universe, who made everything, then the question is, if the creator has the power and the knowledge to create all this life on Earth, would the creator have that power and knowledge to create life elsewhere or anywhere in the universe? I think so, because not only is the creator omnipotent and omniscient, but there's a certain kind of magic involved with that creation that we don't know how exactly, only that words move those forces and put them into effect, you know, get those cosmic rays and Forces moving 
just like it says in the Bible, in the beginning was the Word, and where was God? Everything was created with the Word, right? It says it in the Bible. Yeah? Words. It behooves us to be careful with our words. You want to make the world a better place, my friends? Don't swear. Don't use another swear word or a vulgar word or profanity. It behooves you not to. The question is, do you have the intelligence not to use a swear word? Now, I don't want to judge you, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to make the world a better place. Like most of you should be doing also. And so the creator of the universe, yes, created the Big Bang. And the first solar system began to form, you know, the sun and all the planets. They say that the first sun is the biggest and forever will be the biggest sun in the universe, the great grand central sun of the universe, I think it's called. Check it out on the internet. The great central sun of the universe forever will be the greatest and largest structure in the physical universe. How big is it? They say sometimes could be, uh, they say it could be at least a million times larger than our sun. Just imagine that. Man. Anyway. And then one solar system after another, the second solar system, the third, the fourth, and after maybe 100,000, 500,000 solar systems and a new galaxy began forming itself one solar system after a time, another, one solar system after another, one at a time, you know. And then when that second galaxy was formed with a sufficient number of solar systems, then the new galaxy began, a new galaxy began forming. And here we are in the Milky Way galaxy. Do you like that name, Milky Way? There's a lot of other galaxies out there with cool names, the Andromeda Galaxy. The um, Large Magellanic Cloud Galaxy, P-51 Galaxy, I think it's called. So many different galaxies out there, my friends. And each of them has sun with nine, usually the nine, number nine is the number of the universe, planets revolving around them. Planets that you could use at a future time, once you transition from this life to the afterlife, and after a while in the spirit realms, after you enjoy and relax and get yourself back to where you used to be before you were born on this planet, you can choose one of those planets to be reincarnated on, either in our galaxy or another galaxy. There's a million different scenarios that will help you in your spiritual development and your evolution in another lifetime that will give you that growth that you need as you move forward in your soul's journey where one day you can become a co-creator God of the solar system and create your own sun and your own planets and your own spirit children. I kind of put myself on the limb there, you know, that might, uh, some people might say, okay, that's a little bit too much, too much out in the right field. But what if I'm right? What if that is the truth? Because through the process of reincarnation, that's what we do. We clean our soul, we purify it one lifetime after another to where we have reached the stage of perfection that is commensurate with what the creator of the universe is looking for, and that is growth and perfection. 
And that's what the universe is doing. It's growing. It's expanding. That's what the Creator wants, growth. But a, a very beautiful kind of growth, a perfect kind of growth. And we all strive for perfection, right? So just like, I think, when you make steel, it's purified time after time so you have that final product, you know? It's the same with our soul. We go through a process of of being purified one time after another until we become reach that level of perfection. Oh, I've got to go, my friend. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening. Come back next week. In the meantime, take care, and may the supreme creator of the universe and our mother and father gods in heaven, co-creator God, bless you and help you in any way you need it. I love you. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.